Hey friends, so I've been I've been dark on GitHub for like a week, dark on LiveWire 3 maintenance. I've been secretly thrashing on a deep problem. Um and yeah, and I'm here to to talk about it. And I've been single dadding Hannah's in California for the week, so um that's been an interesting balance, a lot of just cramming stuff in during naps. And holy cow, you can't really get anything done when you're <laughs> when you're being, you know, the primary caretaker, but you knew that anyway. Um, I want to talk about it because it's like super deep and a fair warning. Anybody who's listening and doesn't want to go deep on a code thing right now, just turn this off. Here we go. Get on your strap on your snorkel. (laughs) We're going for a dive. Um, so here's, here's the thing, you know, that I, I rewrote MorphDOM. MorphDOM is the tool that you know, makes updates to the browser when LiveWire does any form of update, blah, blah, blah. We've used the actual tool called MorphDOM forever, and I have wrestled with it, and there's so many things I want to change about it. I forked it at one point, and we have a forked version in LiveWire, and it's like, enough's enough. Let's rewrite it ourselves. And so there's been a lot of times where I've gone back to the drawing board on the MorphDOM rewrite. The initial write, you know, was like, look, uh, you know, try to understand as many DOM diffing algorithms as possible, pick and choose the best parts that I like and the values that I want to instill in this project, um, the right balance, you know, of trade-offs and, and do it and then iterate on it. And that's kind of been the story. And then, and then I would hit something like I'd hit a wall for something and then kind of have to like reassess everything. And that's happened multiple times. And it's fun because it's extremely challenging. It's the most challenging programming I do, which makes it fun, but also taxing, you know? And <clears throat> so this latest one has totally like knocked me back. And it took me days and days to understand what the heck is going on, let alone find a way forward. And now I've found a way forward. But it's, it's one of those, it's like a whack-a-mole thing where like, okay, I can fix this problem deeply in a way that I really like, but it's going to break something that I fixed last time. And I'm trying to find a way to have both of these things work and whatever. So that's kind of the overview. Let me give you the specifics. The basics, let's just start with a clean slate. Let's say here's, here's what we're doing. If we have a UL with three LIs on a page. We have, you know, just a simple unordered list with three LIs that says first, second, and third. And that's, so you have a LiveWire component that renders, you know, all three list items the first time. So when the browser renders, it just gets that HTML, it renders it, it's fine. It's just first, second, third is what it shows on the screen. Then you make a LiveWire request. And let's say there's a blade conditional around the second LI, that middle one. And if that conditional resolves to false, on the next request and is removed, then the browser gets from the server this new HTML that has the UL but with two LIs. And the first one still says first, and the second one now says third. And that sec and that I shouldn't have used the word second, but whatever. The second one is missing. Okay? Maybe I should have used foobarbaz. The second one is missing. So what happens is with the most vanilla morphing algorithm, the least intelligent algorithm you could write which basically crawls the DOM, meaning it goes, and it's a depth-first crawl, which if you're not familiar with that term, it's really simple, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You start at a root element, and like in the browser, every DOM node, like if you do query selector, you get the DOM object, that DOM node, and there's a bunch of methods on it, like dot children, and that gives you a list of all the children, like almost like an array. It's 
just let's pretend it's an array of all the child elements. And then there's dot next sibling. And that gives you the next node, like uh, the next sibling in the tree. There's dot parent. There's um, append child. There's all these operations to navigate and manipulate the DOM based off a single node. So a really naive morphing, morphing algorithm starts at the root node and checks is, so, well, sorry, I guess you have to assume that that we're comparing two HTML trees. And tree is, I'm using that word, but it's nothing more than just HTML is a tree structure. There's nodes that have children. So it creates this tree where like the trunk is the root node and like the branches, you know, whatever you, you, you picture it. And the leaf nodes are like the furthermost children that don't have children. That's just like a tree structure. So when you make an update in Livewire, you have newly rendered HTML and the morphing algorithm compares the newly rendered HTML, the stuff it just got from the server, with what exists on the page, the stuff it got last time. So if we're comparing that first unordered list of three items, first, second, and third, those three LIs, and then the, the new HTML is just first and third, okay? So what happens with the naive algorithm is it starts with the root UL and it goes, are these elements the same? It just checks the first it checks the tag name oh they're both uls okay well they're pretty much the same do they have different attributes like different classes or nope the attributes are all the same great let's start looking at the children so then it goes and it's walking them side by side so picture you have two hands and you're holding both html trees in each hand and you have your finger maybe you're not holding them in the hand whatever you're pointing at each html tree with your finger so you start at that ul that i just described now we go to the first child and we start comparing the children so we go to the first li and we say, are these elements the same? Yeah, they're both li's. Are the attributes the same? Yes, they're the same. There's no attributes. Is their content the same? No, it's not. It The first, well, sorry, in this case, yes, it is. They both say first. Okay, these are exactly the same. Move on to the next child. So now we go to the next child. Our fingers are now pointing at the second ul. On the left-hand side, we see ul second. On the right-hand side, we see, sorry, li second. On the right-hand side, we see li third remember because that second was removed on the new tree <clears throat> so we go are these allies the same yes are the attributes the same yes are their contents the same no okay well then swap the old contents with the new contents so take that li on the left hand side and just edit it so that it says uh, third instead of second okay so then it thinks it's done with that then it then we move both fingers down and on the left hand side we have li third and on the right-hand side, we have nothing because there was only two LIs rendered. So the algorithm goes, okay, we don't have an element here on the right-hand side, on this new side, and we do on the left side. So let's just remove the left. So that's the morphing algorithm. And what happens is, as it when it finished doing that, it looks perfect on the page. In the browser, it looks perfect. You see UL, LI first, LI third. So you think that it did its job. The morphing algorithm worked, we made an update in Livewire. It properly updated the page. Well, here is the fundament. This is the this is the setup here. This is the problem. This single thing that has caused me more brain cycles than anything else in my programming career, maybe, <laughs> is that that what what you saw happen. All right. Well, let me give you like a scenario where it's actually a problem. Let's say that second li you attach a click listener to like in the browser, okay? Or I, I'm sorry, let's say the third, the third LI. You have the LI with third on it. You just do a document query selector, LI third. Then you do dot add event listener click and then on click alert hello world, okay? So when the page first load, you can click that, that 
li that says third, and it will alert hello world. Now we've done the morph, but as I walked you through, it actually removed that third. It just renamed second to third. So we see third on the page still, but if you click it, nothing happens. And that's not what should happen. In a perfect world, let's see what happened if you, if you were using a, a React. If you're using React in JSX, you have, uh, you know, you do some sort of whatever. You just have LIs. And then that second one, you do an if statement or a ternary. You have some conditional that says like, you know, if this is that, like usually in React, this is the equivalent of Vue.js, you would have VF and then the condition if you if li second was conditional in react you would have the condition and then double ampersand and then the the jsx node and that would basically render it if it was there but here's the thing about react react's uh diffing algorithm internally is exactly what i described at its at its fundamental like core that's how that's a, a very traditional like i said naive vanilla uh dom virtual dom whatever diffing algorithm the thing i just described where you just walk the tree you walk two trees with your left hand and your right hand, and you check what things are the same, and when they're different, you change them. So in React, the difference is when something is, is not rendered, so if that condition is false, there's a placeholder. It's like It literally is a false Boolean in the virtual DOM tree. In Vue, I don't know what the placeholder is, but it's some kind of placeholder because they know. They're like... V if true, okay, put this node in the in the new tree. V if false, put this placeholder. So now let's just pretend that in Blade we had a way to do that. We had an if statement around that second li. Let's say that if false, let's say it was an if else statement. If false, render an empty li or an empty div or an empty span or something. Now it would all work because as your fingers are pointing on the let, you got your left your left hand and your right hand and you're following both li trees down you start with the first they're the same okay you move on to the second the second one is there on the left but on the right it's a placeholder and you go oh that's different we need to remove the one on the left okay then we go to the third one and we go oh these are the same so do you see what just happened there that fundamental difference where if we had three children in react and view when you're comparing those changes after you conditionally remove something, you have the same number of children in the tree. So, so if something is removed, it's it's perfect. It works perfectly well. In Blade, we don't know when something is false. So basically, because we're dealing with HTML from the server, we don't know that there was a conditional that removed an element. We don't know. All we see is a string of HTML. There's no markers, there's no placeholders, there's nothing to help us. So that problem occurs. That's the fundamental problem that I've just been wrestling and wrestling with. So how do we fix that problem? There's a few ways. In Livewire 2, I introduced, I believe I introduced, it's possible that I didn't, and that I only did this in Livewire 3. I introduced a look, I, I'm, I did, I know I did. In the forked version of MorphDom, I introduced a look ahead. And this is actually an algorithm that is somewhat common in virtual DOM diffing libraries. And I saved the word virtual DOM and DOM kind of interchangeably. Like, if you're not familiar with what a virtual DOM is, oh, do we talk about the virtual DOM or do we just avoid it? Let's just avoid it. Let's not go down that road right now. It's simple, but I don't want to, like, confuse things. Okay, so what I was saying is this, this problem that exists. What was I saying before I went down that virtual DOM little diatribe? Um... Oh, I don't remember. Whatever. the fun You remember, and I don't. How embarrassing is that? The fundamental problem here is that 
element being conditionally removed and we have no way to know because it's pure HTML coming from the server. I was talking about the look ahead algorithm. So we could fix this with a look ahead. So the algorithm, we have your both hand, your left hand, your right hand, your finger is pointing at the first element. You go, these are the same, fine. Then it goes to the second one in each tree. It sees second on the left and it sees third on the right. And it goes, hey, these two elements have different contents. Now wait, before just changing the contents on the left to the contents on the right, let's move our left hand down one just to see if those are the same. Oh, they are the same. Okay, well then swap their position. And that fixes it. This simple contrived example that I'm presenting to you right now is fixed by that look ahead algorithm. The look ahead algorithm unfortunately has problems. What if you removed an element, but you also changed the contents of other elements in the same live wire request? Now that look ahead is broken. There's nothing for it to look ahead and find. And it introduces a bunch of complexity into the code base and yada yada. I think I'm actually going to keep the look ahead, but, but I'm sort of expressing to you that these are, it's trying to make the algorithm smarter to cover up for a fundamental trade-off that with the setup we have in Livewire, and this is the same for any sort of HTMX would have the same problem. Phoenix Live View has the same problem. Turbo has the same problem. Anything that's just getting HTML from HTML over the wire, anything that's doing the rendering on the server and just spitting back the HTML has this problem. Anything that does the rendering on the client doesn't have this problem because they can render placeholders with conditionals. So what do we do? What's a way to like fix this at the core? And let me reiterate, I, I, I demonstrated the problem to you with, a, with an event listener to sort of show you that, okay, the, the nodes look the same, but they're not the same DOM nodes. So because we're, we're actually wiping out a DOM node and changing a different one, there's a mismatch. So the event listeners aren't going to be where you think they are. Well, okay, so there's some event listener problems. Boo-hoo. There's probably ways to get around that that are intelligent or whatever. The problem is that Livewire and Alpine store all their state on their DOM nodes. The root DOM element of a Livewire component, if you do query selector, you know, you get that, that DOM node and you do dot underscore underscore Livewire, you get the component instance, that JavaScript component instance that tracks that Livewire component. So if there's a Livewire component that gets caught up in this mess of conditionals breaking, you know, shifting erroneously these child nodes then everything's all mismatched and you this is the cause of in livewire one and two the trying to access fingerprint on null error that is the fundamental cause is this problem i've described and in v3 i've done better error handling so it's not just going to save fingerprint of null it'll be like hey the can't find the component it's still an error it's the same problem so how do we solve this my solution was this was my big brained solution well, first, let me tell you what, what would be a simple uh, solution. If we hijacked at if in Blade and we said, okay, we're going to keep at if doing what it does, which is an if statement, but we're going to wrap, we're going to add a, an opening div tag above at if. We're going to inject that for you. And then at the end, we'll inject an, an end or, you know, an, a closing div. That would fix it because then it's like something in place. Or we could hijack it and say, if true, render what's inside. If false, render a placeholder div or something like that. Okay, we could do that. And then all our problems would be solved. But it's impossible to do that because you use at if inside of HTML tags. So if you have an HTML tag 
and you have a in blade and you have a class and you want to toggle a class based on if an error exists or not there is at error whatever but you might do at if errors arrow has you know title then render uh, a class called has error or bg red or something like that that at if if you know it, it's blade it's it's stupid in a sense it doesn't know it's not aware of dom nodes it's just is aware of strings blade is just a string templating engine that we happen to be using for html you could render anything with blade so if we did this smart thing where we rendered a placeholder when the if statement was false we would be injecting a placeholder into a class attribute on an html tag which would break that's not valid it would render the page and all sorts of stuff would be messed up so that's that's why it's really really hard so we have a few options we could make a new blade directive called block if or something or wire if or something that's dedicated to only wrapping around elements now that would work great um, there's still some problems with it the first problem is you could only wrap a single root element if we were using the placeholder strategy uh, which i let's not even go down there that road that hole um, that's a problem the other problem is it's just a lot to ask your users that's the real problem is like to just you know people are just going to use at if even if i write a bunch of documentation they're just going to use at if in my mind and so that's not amazing i wanted a way i i was like okay i know the problem and i know the solution i want or the api i want which is nothing i don't want you to detect anything i want you to just write blade as if you were writing normal blade and i want everything to work so what i did was i wrote a giant regex that before blade compiles I go through, I look for at if statements. I detect if they're inside of HTML tags or not. If they're not, if they're wrapping HTML elements themselves, then I inject these little markers. I call them morph markers. I inject a, a start block and an end block at the end of it. And then I can use, so like now I have a marker in the HTML. So when the, when the client, when the browser receives that new HTML from Livewire, there are these comment markers in there. And I can use those markers in my morphing algorithm, as I'm walking the trees, my left hand and my right hand are going from ally. And now they would say, oh, there's a marker that says start conditional or whatever, start block. Okay, so anything inside of here is its own block. So if something doesn't exist on the right, don't just change the thing on the, you know, like remove it, you know, then go, then finish. So this is actually kind of, let's, let's assume that my regex is perfect. And let's assume that it's instantaneously fast. And let's assume that it doesn't slow down the morphing algorithm. This is the perfect solution. You don't have to think about it. Everything just works perfectly. It's great. What are the problems? A, I think it's slow. I have to verify. The, the benefit is it's only slow during blade compile time. I don't know if you know this, but your blade templates with the at ifs and everything those get compiled to actual PHP files without Blade, just normal PHP, and those stay there, and those get used. So you only get taxed for the cost of compiling Blade once, or every time you change the Blade file. So when you deploy your application, um, they'll get compiled as people call, you know, as people visit routes, but you can like pre-compile all of them by doing artisan view cache. And it'll go through and it'll compile all the Blade templates for you and they'll just be staying there. So it doesn't matter how slow my regex is in a sense because it's only going to tax the development environment when you're every time you change the blade file it's going to recompile and so it's going to slow down that first request. And that's not great um but it, it's at least like that that sort of 
kept uh, that was enough for me to continue on with this strategy was like all right i'm only taxing development and only when you change a file so it's not that big of a deal it's not going to impact production so no users will be hurt so that's okay but i think the the regex okay so now the other problem oh it's a freaking gnarly regex and it's just growing it's becoming so disgusting because there's so many it's almost impossible well it is technically impossible to regex html like it's just one of those like computer science-y like assertion-y things like proofy things that like this is an impossible regex problem but you can do pretty well like laravel blade component tags like x hyphen something those tags those are regex during a pre-compile phase the same as livewire colon and it's pretty good like i've actually never run into an error with that but technically you could because it's just a really complicated regex trying to detect h you know to do html stuff <clears throat> whatever this goes so deep and it's like i knew this was going to be a source of bugs but it's like it's the kind of bugs that we're going to fix one and then fix the other and like as they're fixed they're fixed and eventually we'll get to a point where it's almost rock solid and i still believe that's the case but to get there we're creating an increasingly complex regular expression that's just going to slow it down even more and that sucks so the speed is a is a problem for sure um, what are the other problems? That's really the biggest problem is the speed because I'm okay to create an increasingly complex regex. Here's the other, now this, oh my gosh, do you have a week to listen to me on this topic? Here's the other thing. Um, the reason, and I've been fine with these trade-offs so far, and I've been pushing those thoughts of speed into the back of my mind, but I just started fixing a bug where somebody used Alpine components. So like X hyphen, modal or something they're alpine components you know whatever it's like headless ui for alpine and you can kind of create these things yourself so this problem doesn't just exist with alpine components they're using these alpine components and when livewire is doing the dom diffing it's wiping out the state it's giving it's throwing an error so people thank you open source contributors who submit failing tests you guys have been awesome um and a lot of people i keep shouting out like josh hanley uh philo and um and adrian thank you guys for being so good about this and they're even writing failing tests for people it's just wonderful so when i'm looking at pull requests i'm just dealing with failing tests instead of trying to recreate issues it's just fantastic it makes my life so much easier so i have this failing test i'm trying to fix and this is the thing that sent me on this giant journey for the past week oh my gosh i just described to you one problem there is another problem of far greater magnitude <laughs> to understand and it comes into this let's say those LIs that I was talking about with that morph algorithm, you got your LIs on the left, you got your LIs on the right. Let's say that those have Alpine on them. Let's say that there's a counter in one of them. Now, Alpine is is like the HTML. Alpine is in the HTML. Your X data, your X on click, that's in your HTML. Now, let's say it's on the page, rendered on the page from the first request. That second LI or whatever, anything. Let's forget even conditionals. Let's just say that you just use livewire to render a counter let's just say that you just render a counter x data x on click you know h1 x text whatever you're you're clicking it on the page count goes zero one two three four okay let's say you stop at four doesn't matter that we stopped at four but whatever now let's do a livewire refresh where it refreshes itself it re-renders its blade it comes back to the browser and it's the same exact html that it started with but there's a problem the HTML on the page has the number four in it. The HTML that we just got from the server has no number in there. 
So this is a problem. If you just run the naive morph, it's going to go through. It's going to go same, same. Oh, there's a four in this H1 on the left, and there's nothing in the H1 on the right because it's, you know, alpine. It hasn't been initialized yet. So <clears throat> let's wipe out the number four. Okay, so that just broke our, our bit. Alpine interspersed with Livewire just broke. <clears throat> so how do we fix this? There's a few ways. All right, let's say we let Morph DOM break the HTML. After Morph is done, we re-render the Alpine. We go through, we crawl through, and we re-render everything. Well, this has plenty of problems on its own because not like we just removed a number in this case. This problem could cause it to remove entire alpine elements like entire alpine components could be removed and then when alpine goes to rewalk the tree they're just missing so that that's a bad solution let's try another one let's say you got that the counter on the left hand and then you got the you got the initialized alpine counter that says four in the browser it's on your left hand you're pointing with your finger your right hand you have the uninitialized uninitialized counter from the server so we could, before morphing, we could take that that new HTML tree that's uninitialized, and let's just initialize it. Let's just have Alpine walk through this tree and do its thing. Okay, so that's pretty good. It works for a lot of things, but on the right-hand side, it says zero because X data count is zero. So the H1 tag that has your X text, that's zero. So the one on the left is four, the one on the right is zero. So now we do the morph, and now it says zero on the page <laughs> so that's not great um, we could combine strategies we could use that strategy and then we could also refresh H alpine on the page after we do the morph and that would work in this example but it wouldn't work for other examples that i'm not going to get into but let me just trust me so there's some oh my gosh the problem is when we initialize that new html tree we're initializing it from a blank slate where count is equal to zero we want to initialize it where count is equal to four with the state from the current tree in the browser. So there are a few ways to do this. I'm going to skip the whole giant part where I described to you all the trails I went down, and this is what I've come up with. As we morph, first to start, oh, Alpine state that count, you know, is zero. In your HTML, it says X data count colon zero, but when Alpine initializes, it stores a state object of the current actual runtime count value on the element itself. It's called, you know, like if you have your node, it's dot underscore X underscore data stack, whatever, if you care. So here's what we do now. When we go to morph these two trees, we go element by element. We look at an element, we go, hey, is the element on the left, the one in the browser, does it have a data stack on it? Does it actually have a runtime data object? It does. Transfer that over to the element on the left-hand side. And now Alpine initialize only that element. Okay, keep walking, go to the next node. Does this have a date? Okay, yep, it does or it doesn't, it doesn't, whatever. Then Alpine initialize that single node and keep walking down. And in theory, we should have a perfectly Alpine mimicked new HTML tree to do the morphing against. This strategy, is pretty bulletproof like if you thought hard enough you could find holes there's no perfect way to do this but this is approaching it and so that took me forever to come up with just to even understand how alp oh my gosh like you would not even believe it sounds so simple maybe it sounds simple to you i don't know 
but it's just like a long road to get there. So that is the solution. The problem with that solution, and this is, I can't even describe to you why the start block and end block, you remember those, those morphdom start block and end blocks that I talked about those injection things, those blocks that I inject around conditionals forced me to rewrite the morph algorithm in such a way that makes this new Alpine initialization strategy impossible when you're using X if or X for, <laughs> and I'm not even going to explain to you why, but it's like so freaking gnarly. So now I'm back to the drawing board of like, do I re do I like make the morph algorithm even more sophisticated to account for this and to allow these injected markers, or do I cut bait on the whole thing and go, hold up. This morph marker thing is the regex is complex. It's slow at compile time, which hurts developer experience. And it adds constraints to the morphing code base. Can we just lift this burden, please? And instead force people to use a custom syntax for making elements conditional in Blade, please? Man, I wish. And that's where that's where we're at. And thank you to Philo and Josh for brainstorming with me. <gasps> Sorry, yesterday. They're helping me just brainstorm solutions what are some syntaxes we could use that wouldn't be so invasive that would be somewhat intuitive what if we didn't so philo was brainstorming some other wild things like what if we straight up injected ids into every single html element on a page i think at compile time what if we did that then we could fully track everything we don't have to worry about conditionals or anything and this would work for everything always and he's right that's a wily strategy there and I think he did some benchmarks and said it wasn't any like worse like performance wise, which is awesome. But there's oh, there's other things like Phoenix Live View. They instead of just rendering a full template string like Blade does, they render an array of alternating static and dynamic parts, where like a static portion is the first element in the array. Now the whole dynamic portion of the template is the next element in the array. Now we're back to static. Put that as the next element. Pass that to the front end. Now the front end, you can actually do all sorts of crazy caching things and, you know, payload saving tricks that I intend to do at some point. I've messed with it in the past and PHP is technically capable because it does actually, you can get a syntax tree of a PHP file and you can walk through it and detect what's dynamic and what's not. But that's besides the point. The point is, is that we could do something like this and somehow use it to like inject markers that get removed before it gets rendered in the browser but then you just have like the whole problem in the client side. Oh my gosh, what a freaking nightmare. I'm going to keep you posted on this. If you listen to this, good for you. I'm impressed. I'm just going to go back to the drawing board and hopefully find a solution. See ya.